You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. You're down in Baja, Mexico, and you need an axle on a Sunday night. Jose will find it. And then you got Lindsay, who's not just a the voice of an angel, but the prophetic edge, sees, just love you too, honor you too. As a church, you make us better, you make us stronger, and we love you. We love you. Got the greatest campus pastors in the world down here. Flipping world class, world class, world class. You know, one of the things that I love about doctor, pastor, businessman, Mike Yeager, is we share a common love for our senior pastors. We feel like the greatest privilege we have on the planet is to serve Pastor Jurgen and Leanne Matesius. Can we honor them? Amazing leaders, visionaries, didn't come to America to bring America something it already had, but came to America to infuse a little courage, a little naughtiness, a little humor, a little less religion, a little more God, a little more transparency and authenticity and Holy Spirit that's not weird. Thank God for Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. Holy cow. High five a couple people. Grab a seat. Gonna have some fun this morning. Worship team, great job. Love you guys. Even you, Adrian. I even love you even though you're a Manchester United fan. It's all good. I'm glad I have the mic because I'm sure he'd be saying something. Um, I love this campus. I'm just telling you. You know, I love Awaken, and I love that each campus has its own expressions of what God's up to. And there's something going on here at Eastlake, something special. And uh, I don't know about you, but I like to figure out what God's up to and then just join it. I spent a lot of time trying to beg God to join me And I realized there's like a a cheat, there's like a hack, and it's figure out what he's doing and join him. And he's doing something here at Eastlake, and I want to be a part of it. So they don't even ask me to come down here and speak. I ask them, hey, you guys got an opening? You got a slot? You know, I... See, I'll tell you something about people that preach. Your favorite, favorite audience is an audience like Eastlake because they pull life out of you. They pull the truth out of you. They pull revelation out of you. They they pull wisdom out of you. You find yourself saying things here that you've never said before. And I'll go home going, man, that was really good. I'll take notes on my own message because of Eastlake campus. I'm not kidding. Um, I want to commend all the leaders that are here. And, uh, 
you know, I want to tell you something. You don't need to be on staff at Awaken to be an extraordinary leader. Most of us are volunteers. We all volunteer in the day of his power. This is a day of God's power. And so I want to commend all the leaders that are in this church. This is a church of leaders. Leaders. If you don't see yourself as a leader yet, we see you. Oh, yes, we do. And we're going to pull it out of you. You wouldn't be sitting at an awaken, in an awakened seat if there wasn't some level of leadership on the inside of you. Remember what uh, Jesus prayed when it was harvest time, which is what we're in. He said, don't pray for the harvest. Pray for the laborers, the leaders. This is a laboring church. This is a church that can get to work. And when I look around and I see the caliber of talent, not just on the worship stage, which you do have a bunch of unfairly talented people, like Oscar Barba, better hair than me, better legs than me, better voice than me. He can dance, I hear too. What's up with that? Shameful. Share the wealth, please, brother. It's okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm gonna get through it. But I don't just see like ministry talent and prophetic voices and young emerging voices, but I see political talent in this church. I see Chris Aguilar, business talent, generosity, wealth creators, educators here in this campus. I feel like this is the campus that checks all the boxes. Yeah, kind of like when I look at Oscar Barba and I just see how less than I am. That's how all the other campuses feel when they look at East. They're like, wow, it's not fair. It's not fair. They got it all there. <laughs> it's true, though. Every time I'm here, I'm like, dang it. <laughs> but uh, I always feel like um, God really will speak to me and prepare me before I'll come to this campus. And, uh, and this morning's no different. And I feel like God's given me a really, really significant word for the time we're in. How, how many of you are grateful that God speaks today? You know, that he doesn't leave us in the dark. It doesn't mean it's not dark out there. God just doesn't leave us in the dark. In fact, he illuminates our pathways so that even though the world is in deep darkness and they're stumbling over themselves, we're not. We're actually called to be the light of the world. And I'm just grateful that we're in a church that sees and sees well. Are you ready to see a little bit better this morning? I find if I can see my opponent, he's not as dangerous. The most dangerous opponent is the one I can't see. And I feel like I'm just staggering around, getting hit left and right, and I don't even know what's hitting me. Half the time, I'm hitting myself. But when the lights come on and the blinders come off, I find myself far more equipped to dodge, to duck, to block, because he does hit low sometimes, but also to punch. If you didn't know this, we're actually an offensive church as well. We don't just sit back and take blows. We're not a part of the doormat ministry of believers. 
Now, Jesus said, listen, um, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, okay? I don't know about you, but I've never seen anybody attack anybody with gates. That means we're on the attack. That means we're coming for your city. Listen, listen, remember what David said about Jerusalem and the people that inhabited Jerusalem? They're like, the blind and the lame could keep your pathetic bunch out. He said, oh yeah? You watch me, I'm coming for you. I don't care what it takes, I'll come up through the sewer, but I'm taking that city. And you know what? The gates of that city could not prevail against a Davidic church. I'm gonna prophesy a little bit this morning. God said that the house of Saul, which represented the church that feared men and wanted the approval of people more than pleasing God. They were the woke church. Seen any of them out there? Yeah, yeah, caving and cratering to the pressure of the day and the hour and the people. Here's what God says, that church got weaker and weaker. Saul's church got weaker and weaker while the house of David grew stronger and stronger. We're in a house of David. There's two, there's two components of a house of David. Number one, we're crazy about God. We worship him, but we also fight his battles. We take territory. You're a part of a ter- territory-taking movement. Let me tell you something. It's way more fun to be on the offense. I don't know about you, but I don't like bartering. Well, you can have this much. Just don't take that. Because eventually they just crowd you into a corner to where there's nothing left. Not here. We're like, as a matter of fact, no, you can't have that, but I'll take that. (laughs) That's actually mine anyway. We're waking up to a mindset that repositions us to be ambassadors for Christ. Are you ready for that? That's why I like Eastlake. Okay, well, I feel like the word I have is that there are heroes in hiding. Heroes in hiding. And I want to start us, if you wouldn't mind bringing up that first scripture in Judges. I've discovered that every hero has a hiding place. But let's bring this up. It says, the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Now, this is the prelude to where we get introduced to one of the heroes and judges called Gideon. Remember Gideon? He was hiding in a wine press. Really, he was just trying to mind his own business, trying to stay silent, to pay his bills, It's crazy out there. I'm just going to lay low, keep my mouth shut, and try to cover my expenses and take care of my family, okay? But here's the problem with this scripture is the caves that they made and the, the places they were hiding weren't in Midian. They were actually hiding in Israel. So these encroachers, 
were coming into their own territory, territory that belonged to the Israelites, and bringing and enforcing their old rules and mandates and taking their liberties and their freedoms and their money and their livelihood. Feels a little bit like America. Feels a little bit like California. It's our land. It says this land is our land. This land is your land. From California. I sang it when I was in elementary school. I know this land is my land. They're coming into my land, trying to take my stuff, and I'm the one hiding in my own land. Something's wrong here. The problem with Gideon is he felt like hiding was okay. But I want you to know it's just a matter of time that they will find you. But what I love about God is he knows how to call people out of hiding. So my first point, if you know anything about me, there's three basic, I'm very simple, I'm not a complicated guy. There are three things that I take with me everywhere. The first and most important one is the use of a proper acronym. I, I just want you to know that God speaks through acronyms, and my acronym this morning is HERO. Not too difficult. The second thing you will find about me is that I always find a way to interject engineering into my messages because that's my personal revelation of God that he's a divine engineer and you will find him somewhere in this acronym. Just, just want you to know. And then the third thing is my testimony is I spent 31 years of my life desperately void of confidence. And the greatest miracle of my life is I didn't get out of a physical wheelchair. I got out of a psychological wheelchair called rejection. And God has raised me up and I carry confidence with me. And I can't help but tell you that if you're lacking in the confidence area, today's a good day for you. Those three things always come with me, okay? Amen. So let's get back, let's get back to the fact that every hero has a hiding place. Come on, I have one. What are we hiding behind? We talked about Gideon. He was hiding behind um, just being responsible, trying not to get caught up in the politics of the day, just trying to take care of business. We've all hidden there. We're all realizing that's not working because they keep coming, okay? Um, but, but let's look at some of the other heroes. Let's look at maybe Queen Esther. Remember her? Brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. Listen, she, she didn't get into the kingdom because she won the spelling bee, people. She was beautiful. She was like the East Lake ladies, just gorgeous women, gosh, chosen and selected by the king to serve in the palace. But I'm gonna tell you something. She could have continued to hide behind her beauty. But there came a day where her identity as an Israelite, began to become more important than her posh, posh position in the kingdom. And she had to risk her beauty and her privileges for her people. Every hero has to come out 
of hiding. Nehemiah, remember Nehemiah? Redefined the definition of the power of God. We used to think the power of God meant I had to pray for you and you fell over. That's the power of God. Listen, God's a little bit more capable of doing other things than just knocking you over. He does like to knock people over for some reason, but there's, there's other things he can do. In Nehemiah's case, what I've discovered is the power of God is whatever he's assigned me to do. If he's called me to build the walls of a city in 52 days, I might need some power to get that done. So whatever you need power to do, you can approach the altars of grace to find strength and help in your time of need to fulfill your assignment. Okay? But let me tell you, before Nehemiah experienced the power of God, he had to come out of hiding. Well, where was he hiding? He actually had a pretty sweet job. He was the cupbearer to the king. Sipping fine wine in high society. What kind of idiot would leave that to go try to build a wall? A hero would leave that. A hero who realized, man, maybe I'm not on this planet just to partake of all the enjoyments and conveniences that make life easier for me. Maybe actually there's something stirring in me. Maybe there's a fight on the planet I was created to engage in. And so Nehemiah, I have discovered this about heroes, is the enemy of heroes is not the giant that they're facing, it's the conveniences that they live in. I've, I have discovered stepping away from all of the selfish, all the selfs, self-preservation, selfish ambition, self-protection, all the selfs are the things that are the enemy of heroes. But I have to come out of my own selfish comforts and enter into why I'm really on this planet, amen? So my question to you is, where are you hiding? Because it's, it's it, listen, listen, every hero has a hiding place. We all do. It's about us realizing there's a hero in here, but he has to come out. Anybody want to come out with me? Okay. The next, the E. In hero, any guesses? I already gave you a, cl a clue earlier. Yes, heroic engineering. And I love this. Our next scripture is out of um, Ephesians 2, verse 10. Let's read it together. We are his workmanship, his engineering, his design created in Christ Jesus for just to be forgiven? Created in Christ Jesus just to go to heaven? No, no, engineered by the master of the universe to do good things on the planet, to be functional and excellent and productive, to represent him with our fruitfulness. Listen, your worship doesn't glorify God. Your fruitfulness does. Your fruitfulness does. Jesus did not come to just forgive you. He came to restore you and make you abound for his glory 
and for the benefit of the place that you're set. It's so much better than just forgiven. So much better. What I found, though, is uh, we kind of we like struggle with the whole concept of engineering. There's a good friend of mine um, named John Soriano, who's a business guy, and he loves Teslas. Anybody like Teslas in here? A couple of us. Yeah, come on, sweetheart. Yes. Okay. Uh, Elon Musk. Come on. Truly American made. Take the red pill. I mean, all the great things, you know. Uh, grossly ambitious. Throws a lead ball and breaks the window that he promises is bulletproof. I mean, come on. I love it. Uh, but John Soriano, he's a good friend of mine, he's a great business guy, and what I love is he uses his prosperity. I, I ran into him at our Emerge conference, and he's like, man, I just feel like I'm winning, but I want to connect my winning to something. And he's like, I'm going to write a $10,000 check to Emerge, and I was like, good for you, man, but still get your Tesla. You, come on, you know what I mean? It's like, you feel, I think sometimes we think God just wants to take from us, and, and I'm like, dude, you love that Tesla plaid. Have you heard about the plaid? The plaid is like crazy. You thought 2.7 seconds, 60 miles an hour and 2.7 was good. The plaid goes 1.99. Broke the two second barrier. Come on, Elon. This is why, this is why. Let me tell you something. If the DMV was running Tesla, it would still be using gas. You have to understand the power of capitalism, okay? I'm gonna go and get my business hat on and preach from my business pulpit. Innovation does not exist without competition. If there is no competition, there is no reason to be better. There's no reason for your service levels to be better. There's zero reason to make a faster car. Capitalism is the breeding ground of innovation. Hey, just, I'm gonna back up, okay? I'm, I just put my business hat, take it right back off. I'm going to put my, my preacher hat, my engineering hat back on. Amen. Uh, what I love about God is just like Elon who made the plaid, okay? Um, if John Soriano decided to buy the plaid, and he did, which I love, he gave and bought the sick car. Come on. I like that. I like that. You know why I like that is because while he's driving the sick car, he can inspire other young men to know God and to be generous. Is your life inspiring? Let's back back up here. Okay. Um, <laughs> but imagine Elon Musk. John jumps in the car and decides to take it slow. Why do you buy the plaid to take it slow? I think, I really think, that the most irritated person on the planet is not me who's stuck behind the slow driver. It's God who engineered the car, or Elon who engineered the car to go fast, and the person using it is underutilizing its engineering. And here we have, made in his likeness, made in his image, made for good works, wired to win. We're the only thing on the planet made in his likeness. The only thing, the only thing that has the ability to create we're co-creators. We're the only, everything else is just going through the motions, eating, breeding. We're like thinking, dreaming, imagining, inventing. We're the only ones. Don't you think 
Your engineer could get disappointed if you don't use all the horsepower, all the torque, all the capabilities wired in you. Listen, he came, created you, then the world screwed us up. He was still so passionate about you and I fulfilling our destiny that he sent his only son to restore us back into our original. Don't tell me God is not passionate about you and I becoming everything he created us to be, amen? Um, the other thing I love about God is we're all engineered differently. Like we were just singing that amazing Lionheart song and I'm thinking, you know, I got a stone, you know what I mean? I'm gonna bring my stone. And, um, and I think sometimes as an engineer or, or as, a, as a Christian who's religious, we always interpret that stone through, it has to be some bravado thing. But what I've discovered is my got to be careful the way I say this. My stones can be interpreted as my courage. But what I mean is my, my weapons, my, you do need stones to take down giants, just so you know. But, but what I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your weapons, okay, are, are not always like, like traditional warfare weapons. Like we were talking about Jose, okay? Like one of the weapons that you bring to the table is solution finding. That's a weapon that God has wired you, that when you face obstacles in your business, in oppositions, that you have something in your sling that you can pull out and take down what's in front of you. And what I want us to understand is you are uniquely engineered to serve God and to fight your battles with your own wiring. Listen, I'm in business. We have a big client in Oakland, and we're in the flooring business, which is not that sexy, but I've discovered if you do anything well, it actually is sexy, even if it's not a sexy thing. But anyway, let's just back out of that for a sec. But what I am saying is it's really how you do something that makes it special, not what you do, okay? But one of the clients we serve is a client called Holland Partners, and we couldn't find their material. It was, uh, if, if anybody's in the construction industry, you know the ports are backed up. You can't, get, you can't get anything out of the ports right now. And we're at the tail end of a job, so they were like desperately, desperately, desperately needing our material to be on site, and we have no end in sight from when it's gonna be there. Big problem. And so I have this uh, bracelet I used to wear. It said, what would, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still carry it, it's WWJD, but it's what would Jose do? I need a solution. I read about all Jesus' miracles, I need a solution. And what I discovered is I can pull from a different type of, I'm engineered to solve problems. And I have a responsibility to deliver for a client. Therefore I can ask God for help in my time of need. I don't wanna let him down. I'm facing, sir, I, there is no answer. And I reach out to God and I ask him, Here's my assignment. Will you help me? He's like, only if you go. So in other words, sometimes you're facing things that just paralyze you and you make you want to go back to bed and not face it. He's like, if you'll face it, you'll find it. So we found it. Wasn't even that complicated. But it built my faith 
because I stepped out. I overcame my own fear and uncertainty of whether this was going to come together, and I pressed in to find a solution for my client, which seems insignificant. You mean God really cares about that? Heck yeah. What are you facing that seems so common that God wants to get involved in? It's funny. It's things like that that actually build my faith. It's things like that that actually encourage my faith. Okay. We doing okay? It's all right? You've been engineered for great works, but you're also unique. Bring your uniqueness. Let God unlock your uniqueness. Here's the next thing, though. Every hero needs restoration. Every hero needs restoration. You know, one of the things I love about David is he was a man after God's own heart, right? But talk about a complex, messed up family life. Like, things were crazy. Not only was he probably illegitimate, because obviously when Samuel shows up, David's not even in the room. So he's like the, you know, the little extra <laughs> out in the fields that he doesn't even want to, he doesn't want the prophet to see. How funny that the thing sometimes we're most ashamed of is the thing that God wants to put his hand on. Here's what I've discovered. Bring God everything. Even the thing that's the most broken. Watch what he can do. But what I discovered is David had the ability, if he wanted to put his hand to, um, becoming a great father. But I found sometimes the thing that we inherited um, we often don't want to confront either. So he had the ability, he had the tools, he had the God, he had the power to break the cycles of rejection that his sons. But, you know, sometimes we continue to stay hidden from our battle. So he knew how to fight Philistines, he just didn't know how to fight raising the disconnects that we have with our kids sometimes. But what I love about God is even when our own hiding creates chaos that was never God's will in the first place, he still wants to come in and fix it. And so this is a story where uh, his, I mean, this is wild. This is like, uh, who is the crazy talk show host that, yeah, this is Jerry Springer level drama. That, that the, the man after God's heart is experiencing in his family. So just don't think that you're disqualified because you have some drama in your world. Invite God into it so he can make sense of it and bring some repair and some restoration. Let me say this. Every hero needs restoration. Every hero. Every hero does. So uh, let's bring up this last scripture. This is out of, uh, I think it's 1 Kings. Oh, no, no, 2 Samuel. Now, this is after David has uh, his son, one of his sons basically raped his other son's sister. Sorry for the, the context in here. I know there's a lot of kids in here, but this is the, some of the drama that was going on. And then... Um, his one son murders the other one. I mean, this is, the, this is dysfunction at its highest, okay? And what I love, though, is, is this is what God begins to show King David, is that all of us must die eventually. 
Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. In other words, sometimes life can get so messy, there's no reprieve. You, you feel like you can't even get it back. But listen to God. God does not just sweep life away. And I mean your most embarrassing things. You think if there was anything, God's like, you know what, let's just hide that from history. This is the man I'm coining as the man after my heart. Maybe we should just absolve some of these things, okay? Yeah, there's revisionists in American history right now trying to absolve some of our history. I want you to know we have a God who's big enough to deal with all the facts and still take us forward. Okay, Um, but God does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we've been separated from him. Don't let anything convince you that you're too far gone or you dropped the ball too much or too many times. Let God restore his will and his plan for you. Amen. Hey, uh, hey, I want to I wanna make sure I'm, I'm clicking on the right, the right times. Is the worship team coming up? They're, they're coming up now. So I still got like a couple minutes to bring this home, right? Because, I mean, we're only on the R, and we got another, we got an O, right? I mean, what's an acronym? What's HER? Wow, man. This powerful acronym was HER. Um, it's funny, I had a guy, we, we, my wife and I teach the apprentices, um, I know, let's go, and uh, on Tuesday night, like, the apprentices were given a presentation, and the guy was like, I have an acronym, and his acronym was con- contracts or something, I'm like, that's a long acronym, you know, but, uh, but, but I was so smitten by the fact he used an ad- acronym, I felt like, I felt like the girl in Tobey Maguire, I'm like, you had, you had me at acronym, man. <laughs> But mine's not her. <laughs> mine's Hero. And what I found about Hero is there's a fourth ingredient to heroic living, and it's called heroic obsession. And obsession is a word that is a little tricky. I mean, in the church, in the religious world, I guess I'm. it's okay for me to be obsessed with God, but... You know, can I really be obsessed with my business or my wife? I mean, isn't that a little, doesn't God a little, get a little nervous? But what I've discovered about obsession is it's a requirement for heroes. And it's actually impossible for you to fulfill what God's put in your heart if you're not obsessed. But I want to give a little proper description of obsession. And it's kind of come on my own journey with God. And what I believe obsession is... Um, is passion that's been purified by pain. And I've, I've discovered a few things about God. We've been here 10 years, remember, and it hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> it's been a lot of difficulty, and a lot of the difficulty is having to confront my own humanity, my, my own generational struggle, my own insecurities, um, my own fear, feeling inadequate. Anybody having to face that once in a while? Um, 
Don't ever be afraid of facing things that feel bigger than you. That's actually a sign of growth and an indication that you're growing. In fact, I pray this year you would face bigger giants than you've ever faced. I just pray you'd face them. But what I found is the process that God uses to purify your passion oftentimes is pain. Now remember, you've heard like the scripture about the silversmith and how God will take the silver and purify it seven times before it's ready for the silversmith. In other words, God has a master plan for this precious metal called you, but he has to take you through a process called pain. (laughs) Anybody with me? And what I found is anybody who has a high call, God will need to purify their passion with pain and adversity and difficulty and bitterness and misunderstanding and delay. But it's all to purify the passion so it can be a holy, heroic obsession. Just this last 10, I was coming up to my 50th, 51st birthday, had it a couple weeks ago on uh, the 22nd of September. I did 100 days with no alcohol, which isn't that easy to do at Awaken Church. (laughs) Thank God. Thank God. But I did it and uh, did this whole keto thing and it was pretty awesome. I lost like 24 pounds, feeling pretty good. The problem is I think 18 of those came off my legs. I already had skinny legs. And then I think I've put five back on and none of them went back to my legs. It's like, this isn't fair. But to be honest, I, I didn't do it just to lose some weight. I, I did it for some clarity. This is why this campus means so much to me is, I think it was a recent ordination service. And uh, we've been here 10 years, remember. We've been recently ordained maybe four or five years ago, three years ago, I don't know. But I felt like like a soldier enlisted in the army who was counting the cost, whether I wanted to really re-enlist. It was, it was harder than I thought. It was more fatiguing than I thought. The cost was greater. And I was feeling like the, the battle in front of us was way bigger than the battle even behind us. And, and I personally was wrestling um, with my own insecurities, with the own the growth we've been experiencing and, and really kind of having to come to a place where I wasn't really sure if I wanted to fight like I know the fight's required of me and I was in this service right here as you were ordaining Marco and Natalie, specifically them. I felt like you were speaking right to my heart, calling me to consecrate again. In the middle of a time at the end of those hundred days, on the outside I was smiling and telling you things are great, man. And inside, I felt like I was shaking like a leaf, thinking my life was coming apart, questioning whether I had the ability to hold it all together, convinced that I probably didn't, and that unless God did something powerful, I wouldn't be able to handle. And I was even thinking like, I don't even know how to get out. Remember like when Jesus approached his like disciples and he like weirded out the crowd and he's like, hey man, drink my flesh or drink my blood, eat my flesh. And, and everybody's like, dude, that's a little much for me. I'm cool with the miracles and the prophecies, but dude, I'm, I'm sorry. And, 
But the disciples had like seen too much. And they're like, yeah, I don't understand it either. But I don't know where else to go. Uh, and that's kind of how I felt. It's like, I, I've seen too much. I know it's the real thing here. I don't have a plan B. At the same time, I'm a little freaked out. I'm a little overwhelmed. And it was in this, this campus where the Holy Spirit reminded me of the holy calling. That the pain was actually designed to purify my passion so that I could re retake up the heroic obsession. Amen? Hey, let's stand on our feet. This all right? Let's pray real quick. I feel a lot of life in here. I always do at East Lake. Pastor Katie said, uh, this, is a, this is a campus that can handle the meat. That's what, your, that's what your, your campus pastor thinks of you. You know, can I be honest? We're coming into new construction here at East Lake because we're growing too fast. We've outgrown our kids' ministry. We've, we've outgrown everything. And so there's stadium seating coming in here. Here's the problem. That's exciting until you're stuck in the lobby waiting in a line. But I want to prophesy, maybe you need to come out of hiding. Maybe this isn't the time to sit back and, well, we'll see what they figure out down there. Maybe this is your opportunity for the light to shine on you. I'm gonna give us a quick leadership lesson here. I like leadership. If you're a leader here and things are growing, the secret is to give responsibility away. Don't bottleneck, don't be the only person that can make a decision empower others to make decisions, okay? So some of you who are leaders here, learn how to give responsibility away, okay? But here's the second, if you're not yet a leader, it's time to take responsibility. This is a church that will grow you. We won't use you and throw you away, but we will use you. You'll just find that the life that's gonna flow through you is gonna heal you and restore you and activate you and bring you into your engineering like you never dreamed possible. My charge to us is let's roll up our sleeves and let's get to work. We got four to five months in front of us that aren't gonna be that easy. They're fun at first and then it's like, dang, tired of the lobby. But this isn't a time to grow weary. We're laborers, we're leaders, we're workers. Let's, roll, let's, let's work together to get this thing going, amen? Repeat after me, Father God, I realize you engineered me to be heroic, to be heroic in my family, to be heroic raising my kids, to be heroic at school, to be heroic in business, to be heroic in my connect group. You saw me and engineered me heroic. I surrender to that. I surrender to the high calling. I come up to what you say and what you see about me. Even when I see other things, I exchange what I see for what you see. I turn away from limitation, insecurity, rejection, inferiority, everything that keeps me small 
and I embrace the growth, the stretch, the upward call that's in you. Reveal to me my wiring, my engineering, so I can be more effective, more powerful, so that I can show up with the right weapons. Restore me where I've been injured, damaged, offended. Help me to see the process of pain and its purpose to work good out of me, to purify the gold in me. The devil, I speak to you. You will not hijack my pain. All things work together for my good, especially my pain. My pain is now in the hands of my God, who has the power to bring it out of the furnace and use it for his good. Use my life. I allow my passion to be transformed into a heroic obsession for your name, for your kingdom, in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.